Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, close mit sauce, buy me a bitter. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by a man who claims that he knows the locations of some missing Wimbledon trophies. And for the right price, he'll let you know where they are. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. My, my co-host, Simon Wideboy Maddox. Okay, Simon, what's what's all this about? Are you selling Wimbledon trophies out the back of your... Uh, White van. White geese, white geese. <laughs> For the right price. Uh, there's a certain uh, German tennis player who has <laughs> entrusted me uh, to sell off some gear and keep hold of it whilst he's in the neck. And so, yeah, for the right price, uh, talk to me. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I need to buy a Wimbledon trophy. I, I imagine they're quite conspicuous. You can't really hide them. and Melting them down is probably not going to get me anywhere. No. Anyway, less, no. Of this, less of this Wimbledon chat. Less of this Wimbledon chat. What about that intro, though? Yeah. What about that intro? Bum, it's bum, a new, bum, bum. it's a new era of decades <laughs> from home. Yeah, we have gone full Bayern, baby. <laughs> full Bayern. Well, I mean, we might as well represent since we're here anyway. But yeah, isn't that fantastic? So yeah, listeners, you'll be aware if you are long-term listeners that we have a new theme tune which comes from our friend and soon to be your friend <laughs> Close Mitsos on yeah. Instagram. So yeah, you can find him on Instagram for more upbeat. Bavarian classics. I've said for a few weeks now how much I hate our theme tune. <laughs> so I'm delighted that Close Matos was willing to yeah let us use his tune or their tune. What a wonderful thing that is. It's no more electronica beats. It's something a little bit more, I don't know, German. I mean, it, it, it tells the listener right off the bat <laughs> that we are a podcast about Germany. <laughs> yeah, there's no ambiguity, you know. I, it was a bit subtle, those uh, those sort of lo-fi beats, but yeah. I, I like the lo-fi beat. I, I didn't mind it, but obviously, as you're the one who does the editing, I'm very sympathetic to your plight that you've been listening to it for 74 weeks. It's got to be taxing when you don't like it very much. I, at first, I was happy with it. Of course, I was happy with it, or I wouldn't have used it. But over time, it's not even that it's like an, particularly annoying. It's just that it just... Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's connected to the show at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and it was always always meant to be a stopgap. I'm not sure how we managed to get to episode 73 with a stopgap intro, but <laughs> n- either way, we've got something a bit better and a bit more special to enjoy. Yeah, it, it's it definitely got a vibe. So for those who don't know their beer techno, uh, which is one of the hashtags that Klaus Mersorz uses on his songs, <laughs> yeah, it is the Blauweiss Marsch, uh, mm-hmm. which is, of course hyper Irish, uh, anything with blau Weiss. and yeah he does all these different techno drum beat remixes of classic blas music schlager type things so and he's also he's he's very nice that he let us use his music but he's also quite an interesting character um i would recommend googling him because you will notice very quickly that much like dead mouse he's a dj that wears a massive clause yeah. <laughs> as a mask yeah, so good <laughs> When you sent me the link, the first thing I saw was that like, that image came up, and I was like, "Yes, oh, I don't care what the music yeah. is. This is already in my wheelhouse. Of <laughs> exactly what we need. Yeah, fantastic." So nobody knows who Klausman Source really is, adding to the mystery uh, of all this, the origin of this amazing music. But I think he's from um, Bamberg, uh, so he is. Mm. He's very, very much a local friend of ours now, and yeah, big up to Klausman Source. Uh, and if you are looking for the theme tune for your next Bavarian rave, look no further. <laughs> yeah, we were only telling Abby a couple of months ago about Bavarian dance music and Bavarian sort of mm-hmm. techno. 
And here is our perfect example right in front of us. And we just have that annoying alpine approach. It's like ludicrously happy, like <laughs> it, like sort of alpine music that you get. It's always it's never it's never low beat, but um yeah, it's perfect. I was so happy. Uh, it was a it was a close run thing because we had, I think we had two that we were looking at. Yeah, I mean, how could you not choose the one that it's representative of Bayern? And uh, as everyone knows, we're sometimes supporters of Bavaria. I guess <laughs> when it comes to football, not so much when it comes to. Uh, conservatism I mean not really but we, we did <laughs> all a, the other stuff we did approach a couple of blast music orchestras uh, about maybe doing like a, a hip-hop song like a reworking of some Wu-Tang or something and credit to them they were all open to the idea but everyone requested that we basically had it transcribed into note music like into sheet music sorry yeah and that was the point where we're like okay so we need to find someone who like knows what hip-hop is and knows how to transcribe it to blast music it was a little beyond our uh, capabilities i will say this though a big shout out to um reagan's bloggerin one of our yeah, followers and listeners yeah. they really really helped out with uh some suggestions and gave us some links and some contacts but uh, yeah i think we'll uh, we'll stick with what we have but maybe next time. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I guess if if we get to like a few thousand followers, then maybe we can afford <laughs> to, to hire an orchestra uh, and really bang one out. But uh, for now, through, through the kindness of Klaus Mazurs, we have a new theme tune, and that's very exciting. The, the big question is how long for Nick is utterly sick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it'll be a while with this one. It will be a while with this one. I think, uh, yeah. So if you want to check out at Close Mid Source, you can go. Uh, they've got a YouTube channel that's worth a look uh, with some videos and some live performances, or you can easily find them on Instagram if you search for Close Mid Source. That's close, spelt with double S, and Source mit, spelt also with double S. So yeah, go check them out and have a have a peruse, have a listen. You do need to put DJ in the search, otherwise you're just going to get a load of food. <laughs> that's true. You might well do that. You might also want to put DJ in there if you're looking for them. But yeah. Yeah, moving on from the excitement of a new theme tune, we've got an update from, uh, I believe, Simon's favourite football team, or just a general update. Is that a general update about the Bundesliga? It's a Zwei general and... update because oh, right, it's okay. so exciting at the moment. I think a lot of people, they, they focus on the top leagues uh, of football. And of course, we've seen yesterday, we're recording on a Sunday this week. So yesterday, Real Madrid won their, I don't know how many title Bayern won their 10th in a row or some obnoxious number and in England it's it's Man City or Liverpool and that can be a little bit boring so I've been loving how exciting and how quick to move the spite of Bundesliga has been this year and of course it does include my beloved Schalke who are currently now top of the table and of course we both have fondness for Nuremberg who unfortunately have, have fallen out of contention now but yeah this weekend there were some big results Schalke beat Sandhausen 2-1 uh, with a, a like extra time goal to put them top of the table and that happened because Holstein Kiel who I think have the best logo in the Zweite Bundesliga managed to beat Werder Bremen 3-2 and Werder were 2-0 up uh, so that was a huge help so now I'm a bit of a Kiel fan uh, as well so thanks for that Kiel. I was just thinking if I can remember what the promotions and relegations work like because you have two direct relegations from the Bundesliga, the Erste Bundesliga, and then you have yeah. one playoff, 
with the best third place team. Is that correct? Exactly. There's no playoff. There's yeah. no playoff in the actual league. It's a playoff between the third exactly. worst so, and third yeah. best. Right. Okay. I see. Yeah. So I guess Nuremberg is pretty much out of the running, which is a shame. It's over now, unfortunately. And it was interesting because uh, I follow Nuremberg on Twitter, mm. and there was quite a quite a toothy tweet because the reason that Nuremberg are now out of the race is that yesterday Darmstadt mm-hmm. won against Erzgebirge. And Erzgeberger is probably the hardest name <laughs> to pronounce. Yeah, it is. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> oh, please, I nailed that. I hope I got it right. Uh, and Darmstadt won 6 0. Yeah. So it was a bit of a trouncing. And uh, the FCN number tweet from the official account basically accused Erzgeberger of like not following sportsmanship conduct by allowing. Darmstadt to beat them 6-0. A bending of the rules of sportsmanship, I think, is probably the best way we can translate it into English. So Nambo were a little bit salty. Was there good reason, though? I mean, was it, did, they, did they field a third-choice team, or did they do anything that was particularly egregious? Or was it just that they were a bit shit? I, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't speak to that, really. My only my only side of this is the Nuremberg Twitter, uh, which seemed to accuse them of being deliberately shit. Uh, I don't know if the lineup was a, a standard one, but yeah. So it is unfortunately over um, for Nuremberg this year, but it's been a great year, and hopefully they can build on it next season and push again um, to get back into the Aster Bundesliga. But they had a nice draw, a good successful draw against St. Pauli uh, in match day thirty two of thirty four, and yeah, next week. We've got Schalke and Pauli, as Nick said, and Werder play Erzgeberger. So Erzgeberger could get beaten badly again and then could be accused of sportsmanship issues again. Darmstadt played Dusseldorf in the next match day. Not an easy game. I see Darmstadt second, and I'm just thinking, like, because yeah. we've we've got Furt in the... Furt's, like, a really small team that's in the Erster-Bundesliga, and they're just, like, the whipping boys. There is, there is that, still that <laughs> element in the Bundesliga of... And I guess this is the, the, the current discussion at the moment because Bayern won their, their like billion Bundesliga <laughs> title last week. And there's a lot of British media going, oh, yeah, it's an easy league, you know. And I was listening to the Guardian football podcast with uh, the German or the, the reporter for German football is um, Archie Rintut, well worth a follow on Twitter. And he... Um, he was saying, well, I think a lot of German fans would basically say at least we still have control of our clubs and we're not being run by yeah. by murderous <laughs> regimes or like <laughs> oligarchs and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'd, I, I think that's the that's how I'd see it too. I'd rather have what they have in Germany than what we have in Britain at the moment. So fair yeah, enough. yeah, I think moralistically <laughs> they are years ahead, and I mean England's never going to go backwards in the sense of ownership and return to something like what Germany has. So, yeah. Don't you mean forwards? You gotta, <laughs> yeah. Forwards. Progress. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, speaking of football, we might as well continue the theme because Jürgen Klopp, Britain's favourite German, has renewed his contract at Liverpool for another two years, yeah. which means that he's going to be hanging around in the ether for a bit longer, offering his choice quotes. I watched a hilarious video of him mix- mixing up the words fog and fuck uh, in a press conference so that was quite entertaining uh he's always worth worth a um, a listen to he's not usually just mixing up words sometimes he's got some salient things to say mm-hmm. so yeah how do you feel about it? are you uh, happy to see Jürgen Klopp knocking around the British Isles for a couple of more years yeah absolutely I mean what he's done for football in the Premier League, I think is is massive. Of course, I, I'm not a huge fan of Liverpool, but I do like them a lot more than I did 10 years ago, and that's pretty much down to him. He was the Dortmund manager before Liverpool, 
And of course, as a Schalke fan, I really don't like Dortmund. But in spite of all of this, he has won me over in the most devastating fashion. I love the man. He is charming and charismatic. And as you say, he he says some stuff that's alarmingly deep uh, and conscientious for a football manager. Mm. He doesn't just read the script. Uh, He's very, very willing to to tell you what he actually thinks uh, about social issues. Of course, as a manager, you have to play, keep your cards close to your chest when it comes to team selection and things like that. But yeah, he is, I mean, you said the most loved German in the UK, and I struggle to think of someone living today who's more popular as a German in the UK with British people. I think everyone likes Klopp. Well, I mean, I guess it was Boris Becker for a while. but it would, Yeah, I imagine it probably would have been Boris for a while. Because, yeah, I mean, Becker, again, he's... He's willing to speak his mind. He's not as, <laughs> as as interesting, I guess, when it comes to the philosophy of life as Klopp has been. But yeah, people like the fact that Becker wasn't a typical German uh, in the way that British people think about them. He was candid. But I think this is it, though, isn't it? I don't think Klopp is doing anything that's particularly un-German, for want of a, a more delicate and descriptive phrase. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's not really compromised his approach or compromise his communication style he still speaks very directly and i think that's what people find charming in this era of double speak and constant denial of reality and, and and you see that in politics as well i think especially during brexit he gained a lot of credibility because he was asked quite often about how he felt about brexit and he just say it as he saw it mm-hmm. and, and i think that's endearing in a in a country where indirectness and yeah, I mean, open dishonesty in a lot of ways is is the norm for a lot of public communication. Not necessarily communication between the average individual, but certainly if it's a public figure communicating a message, it does feel like a lot of dishonesty is there. So I, I think that's one thing he's got going for him is the fact that you ask him a question, he'll give you a straight answer mm-hmm. in most cases. But he does seem also to be, um, he, he's close to the community. I think he understands the, the role that he has is beyond just being a football manager, especially when in, in certain clubs like Liverpool where community activism is a, is a big part of the dynamic. He's involved in that and I think he understands that. I always thought he was he's a very passionate guy and you saw that maybe to extremes when he was manager of Dortmund but I think that's what Liverpool fans really want is someone who like really cares and shows that they care and has a way of doing that so I guess if the un-German thing he does is he he shows a lot maybe a lot a larger range of emotion than mm-hmm. the average German that you meet on on a daily basis well I mean obviously we're seeing there's a, a growing number of Germans playing and coaching now in in the Premier League mm-hmm and yeah, the other course. nights we had yeah um, Tuchel and the Chelsea boys uh, all turning out. And I think when you compare Tuchel to Klopp, you see you see quite a marked difference because Tuchel is quite a reserved character who doesn't give mm-hmm. anything away when he talks. Yeah, and Klopp is almost the opposite. And I think Klopp's also got a really obviously he's got a great sense of humour. And there's a quote which I love when they won the Champions League um, in 2019 in his post-match TV interview. He came out and said, "Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and all the bad things they may be." <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Quoted like salt and pepper. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen every day, I'll, I'll say that. I just speak, speak, I guess, to his, his nature for cheesy jokes. Yeah. So he has got, yeah. he's got that element in them. But he's very endearing, and I think, I think it's, it's someone who's successful, who doesn't take themselves too seriously, who thinks but speaks clearly, 
has an opinion and and shares it and i think those are all uh, very admirable qualities that i guess i guess you don't see very often taking himself not too seriously is i think is the key as to why he's so utterly likable and of course this comes from the fact that he was a player who wasn't in a hugely successful team and wasn't the best player in the squad he was very much like a, a stalwart of his team but he wasn't ever going to set the league on fire and because he knows that he's probably a better coach but he's experienced like empty stadiums and like loss and all these things like he he knows what reality is he isn't some like Pep Guardiola who who I think is like he's just tasted for years and years and years the absolute pinnacle of football everywhere he goes he wins everything the teams he played in were incredible and I mean Pep's an arguably one of the greatest managers that's ever been in, in, in England, for sure. Like it's Ferguson or Guardiola are the two that I guess. But he does take himself very seriously. Yeah, he is. He's very ernst <laughs> to use the German. And yeah, like I don't like him much as a person. Like, I don't have anything against him. I don't dislike him. But if I see a video where Klopp is being interviewed for Sky Sports News and it's one of their light-hearted ones, I'm clicking that immediately and I want to watch it. But Pep's interviews, it's always a bit more... It's like a magician. He's like, he's never going to tell you anything, really. And, of course, anyone that plays fantasy football, which, <laughs> I, I was thinking we should probably have a fantasy football league for decades from home for the next season. But if you do play fantasy, you will know the term pep roulette. Yeah. Um, because you never know who he's going to pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess, I mean, that's what you want as a football manager. I think his his skills as a football manager, maybe less so as a communicator or what people admire, but he's, he's very, he does come across when he's talking about football way more serious and you like you said Ernst is exactly the kind of description I think that fits but I guess the sort of Klopp love is a lot as well connected to the fact that there is I mean we argue about how how much Germany and Britain have in common almost on a weekly basis on this show so mm-hmm. but I would say that his qualities are very German qualities, but they're also very British qualities at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's why he does so well. And my feeling is always that the north, especially the north of Germany, has a lot more in common with Britain than the south of Germany does. Oh, I think yeah. the north yeah. of Germany has a, a much easier time understanding British mentality to a certain extent. Maybe, I don't know whether that's because of the weather or because of the makeup of the country. I mean, it's a diverse place, the north of Germany. Um, and even the, the, the state like North Rhine-Westphalen, which is massive, has diversity all the way through it in loads of different mm. areas. But I do feel like there's a there's a commonality of culture in a lot of ways there that you don't necessarily get down here. No. Uh, I don't want to speak too much for Baden-Württemberg, Baden-Württemberg but you don't really see that kind of attitude or that kind of humour in, in, in a sense. I mean, I, I, I think you're right mentioning the weather. Uh, I think it does. <laughs> I mean, people talk about the sort of Berliner Schnauzer and like how, how gruff people from Hamburg can be. But yeah, like when you live in conditions such as those, it is you're more likely to be a bit like edgy, I guess. But living down in Bayern with its fantastic weather and rolling fields uh, all around, it's very easy to, to be a bit sort of idealistic. And idealism isn't a very British trait. <laughs> Especially not these days. Oh, yeah, no, there, there's not many ideals. Not ones that last very long anyway, uh. for sure. <laughs> so can you? do you think Klopp is the one who's done the most for Anglo-German relations in the last few years? I mean, that's a tough one. Well, I guess it is. I think because he's not a political figure, mm-hmm. and certainly the tensions between U- the EU and Britain since 2016 are, yeah, obvious to everybody and i think the focus of a lot of that was on the political figures so merkel 
would get no time really mm. from those people who supported with terminal fervor the the sort of Brexit referendum. Yeah. But someone like Klopp is German, but it also says something about how British people are capable of separating nationality from personality. And I mm-hmm. think there is a general. I know we talk about how British people will often look at Germans and, and only have a quite narrow understanding of German culture and therefore sort of talk about World War Two a lot or mm-hmm. rely on stereotypes. But I watched a really quite nice video from a YouTube channel a couple of days ago and it was just a young young guy and I think he lives in he lives in Munich, I think. But he's got quite a quite a chunky following on YouTube. He was just interviewing British people. He was clearly back in the UK and asking them what their opinion of Germans were. Mm-hmm. And and it was quite nuanced. I was quite surprised. He, he interviewed quite a lot of people. He interviewed old people, you know, young people. He interviewed these this group of like young lasses who had again had really nuanced opinions about Germany. And I was like, oh wow, like this is really interesting to watch to see that they're not just spouting shite. I mean obviously someone eventually mentioned World War Two because mm-hmm. like you just expect it. But I just thought, well that's a really nice way of, of doing it. Yeah, the, the YouTube channel uh, is called uh, Your True Brit. Now, I'm not going to say every video is a goldmine, but certainly <laughs> I'd watch the one that was related to that. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see. It's nice to see someone doing that kind of content, though, because I think it does give a better and more nuanced view. Not everyone's sort of obsessed with looking at the past when it comes to Germany. So so it does suggest why Klopp is is regarded so highly. Because they're not just looking through a singular lens, you know. I think this is this is sort of the reason I asked about it is because the people that he has won over, like mm. with all of their heart, are a, a portion of them are the two World Wars and one World Cup type mm. fans. Like football fans are in many ways the worst people when it comes to England versus Germany. Like that that nationalism creeps in so rapidly, and for him to turn around people that would have. 10 years ago been chanting horrible songs about the war now being fully in love with this this german manager i think is it shows how i say personality uh, and and leadership and 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 truth can really reshape how we feel about our country as a whole so yeah i think it's absolutely wonderful the job he's doing uh, yeah and yeah i'm happy that he's he's got a couple more years in the uk uh, i'd like him at tottenham for sure but i can't <laughs> see that happening newcastle's probably more likely now <laughs> nah nah we've got eddie howe I'll, I'll keep with what we've got for for the current current moment uh-huh. <laughs> see how long <laughs> that lasts <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> We've obviously been celebrating, due to our new theme music, Bavarian culture, uh, or a version of Bavarian culture at least. <laughs> Those who like Bavarian culture will be celebrating this week, as, it, as we all learned that Oktoberfest is returning, yeah, finally, and it's going to be a bumper one this year. I think it's going to be in a slightly extended, slightly longer version of Oktoberfest, but it's back, baby! Oktoberfest, so you can enjoy lederhosen wearing men pissing against fences. And Woo! Dindled wearing women queuing for hours at toilets and <laughs> closing at 11 o'clock and watching a trail of massively inebriated, finely dressed young people um, spilling out in the streets to cause absolute mayhem and havoc. I'm sure the people who, and I'm thinking of Marty here for sure, like I think Marty was saying how he enjoyed <laughs> Oktoberfest, he just didn't like the fact that it was people pissing up against his wall and stuff like that, you know. Um, He's never a big fan. So there's there's some people who will be disappointed at this news. Mm. But yeah, after two years of the pandemic, 
and lockdowns and cancelled events, Oktoberfest has returned for its 187th appearance, I guess would be the term. So are you, are you happy? Are you excited for the return of Oktoberfest? I won't be going to this one. I, th- I, I, <laughs> I think... I don't think I'm ready to be stuck in a tent with hundreds and hundreds of people, and because this is going to be unrestricted, there will be no no masks, no nothing. And obviously, I think that is a very good thing for a lot of people. It is going to be the biggest return to normality possible. And of course, it's really important for the local economy. Really important for a lot of tradespeople and small business owners who rely on, on this festival. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's a sort of a mixed bag. It's quite scary and it's definitely going to be, we're going to see a rise in numbers in Corona afterwards, but it's kind of hard not to be happy to see it back after a couple of years of cancellation. Yeah, that's how I've kind of felt about all of this because it's not just Oktoberfest that's returning, all the fests are returning. Yeah, We've got the Augsburger players just finishing today um, and I might pop my head in later on to, to have a look. I think that's the feeling I have is, it's the feeling I get when I walk into shops and people haven't got their masks on. It's mm. that adjustment that needs to happen. But like, I think people are, are ready for it. I don't know if they're ready for the ramifications of it. I think a lot of people are waiting in, in, in the university and, and in schools and stuff. If there's like an Easter bounce because a lot of people were away at Easter. So yeah. there's a fear that there might be a corona leap or leap in numbers but we'll see um yeah but uh the mayor of munich dieter reiter said that it was uh, from a political point of view cancelling oktoberfest 2022 is not possible <laughs> yeah he wants to be re-elected <laughs> yeah exactly he wants to keep his job after careful consideration i came to the conclusion that for this reason it would not be justified to cancel the visa a third time in the end everyone has to decide for themselves whether and how much they want to celebrate at the festival so he's putting it on the shoulders of the attendees to the Oktoberfest to decide what is the safest thing they can do. Uh, there won't be any access restrictions like you've said. The boss of the Wiesen, the boss of um, essentially Oktoberfest, Clemens Baumgartner, well obviously welcomed the decision uh, <laughs> and he said all Oktoberfest fans are happy today. I'm personally very happy too. I was curious about that. Oktoberfest fans? Yeah. I'm not sure like fans is, is really the, like are you a fan of Oktoberfest? Are you wearing your o- Oktoberfest t-shirt? I'm not but there are definitely people out there. Like the six, yeah, six million people normally come to Munich for it and a huge number travel from abroad it's one of those iconic moments in alcoholic calendars <laughs> <laughs> well it's more than just the beer there's the rides as well you know and the food and all that stuff but yeah most of it is the beer and he also continued and said i believe that we will have a mega Oktoberfest 2022 because we are already experiencing at the spring festival how great the people's desire to celebrate is and i think that's true for sure in augsburg there's a lot of there's lots and lots of people walking around in their tract and in their dindles mm. dindles and um lederhosen and heading towards the player at a uh, sit in a beer tent and sing ACDC songs <laughs> as, as normal, you know, and, and do all of that jazz. They do love that. So I can't say that I'm like, like I think, I think if this happened last year, I would have been annoyed. I think it's, I just feel like it's the right time. Mm. And I don't know if it is, but I get a sense that there is that element of having to work out how we continue forward with COVID being in the ether. And what that actually means, whether we can walk around in supermarkets without our masks on or go to Oktoberfest or go to Volksfest or, or stuff like that. We'll have to sort of try it, I think, at some point, mm. uh, which may, may sound sound callous, but we all suffered through 
the last two two and a half years so we've all had the same experiences so i'm not doing saying these things lightly by any stretch do you I mean from that perspective do you think it's a bit a bit hasty maybe or do you agree that there's like it's almost impossible to cancel at this this time i think cancelling three in a row would have been really really difficult to do i mean he mentions the political reasons Dieter writer but i think for for the local economy and just for local good vibes i think there's a lot of people that have got to the point where they just need to do something this even though they know it is a little bit reckless maybe i mean we're seeing germany now pushing in many spaces the responsibility to protect yourself onto the individual which of course isn't the greatest feeling but i think when you look at how many people are still wearing masks in supermarkets and shops we see that generally speaking the majority of germans know what is a sensible thing to do uh, and we haven't had this like freedom day nonsense that has been touted by other nations. I mean, you see people doing things, you're like, hey, are you sure you don't want to protect yourself a little bit here? But at the same time, I know that in later on this month, I'm going to be doing a weekend where I'm going to be definitely doing the most dangerous COVID things ever by going to a festival. So yeah, I, I can't really preach when I'm part of the problem, I guess. We had um, the first, is it like marked tag or when they have like a market on a Sunday, mm-hmm. a Saturday and a Sunday, a mark, marked fucking endo or something like that. And, and you could see from how many people were in attendance, how excited people who were running the, the stalls were about being able to do mm-hmm. essentially their jobs again. And when you bought anything from any stand, you've got loads of free stuff, bought some shaft keys or something like that. And the guy was like, and you I'll throw this in too. And yeah, welcome back. And it was all really sort of jolly. Mm-hmm. And that, that bit I like, I again, don't know how many people may have got, got, covid or if they got it at all in that area i don't think the numbers leapt particularly but there was a lot of excitement like they just you could feel it in the air that people were excited that there was something that they enjoyed doing it did it was back uh and i imagine if if and when i go to the player today i'll see the same thing i imagine it'll be packed i imagine there'll be a lot of people just i'd say sighing with relief but i don't know if you can sigh and drink a mass of beer <laughs> so maybe like gurgling <laughs> bubbling with delight maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah the last Oktoberfest was 2019 and it's only ever been cancelled 26 times in its history it was already sort of verging on like unprecedented mm. territory guess we'll just have to wait and see i'm sorely tempted to go yeah. like sorely tempted to go to Oktoberfest. yeah okay like it's something in us that's just like i really i'd like to see it i just like to see what happens i just think watching everybody would be really mm-hmm. interesting i might make a shout out okay. to anyone else who wants to go to oktoberfest and see if we can get a, a fucking crew of people it might just be me and marty <laughs> and his, his husband sitting in a, in a beer bank but even then i think that's just yeah. enough but yeah i might get give him a shout and see if he wants to go for a couple of beers i don't think i'll be t- partaking in any of the rides but i, I would yeah i would I would definitely consider it. And would you go full Byrish Lederhosen? <laughs> I've thought long and hard about the Lederhosen question, and um, I'm not going to buy Lederhosen, dude. I'm just not going to. I just don't see the point. CNA do them. You get them for like 80 euros from CNA. If I'm buying Lederhosen, I'm not pissing about with no like <laughs> CNA Lederhosen. Fucking nylon or something. I want some proper the proper stuff, but I might I might wait another year. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. If a listener wants to donate some laser hosen. If anyone wants to go to Kofi.com and uh donate to Deco <laughs> from home. We will we will put anything I mean we've got our beer marmalade 
made already. So the next thing yeah. is Lederhosen for Nick. Imagine if somebody fans... bought me Lederhosen, I'd wear them. Yeah. I'd wear, I would wear it if it was bought for me, but I'm not liable to go out. And they are quite expensive as well. You buy, you buy your Lederhosen for life, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, uh, you don't buy a pair and then stick it in the cupboard and find out a couple of years later it doesn't fit. It's for active use. Yeah. Boardroom meetings. You're meeting the <laughs> bank manager. Get your Lederhosen on. Go into the. Volksfest, get your lederhosen on. Going to a wedding, get some lederhosen on. Or going for a driving test, get your lederhosen on. Okay, I think we've gone very Byrish. One of the few complaints that people who go to Oktoberfest have is the price of beer. It is probably the worst way to buy beer in Germany if you do want to get drunk. You don't often get the advertised amount uh, because of the speed and ferocity with which they're being poured. And so people do get a bit weird. And the cost of the beer at Oktoberfest is the same as asking a British politician for the price of milk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's just one of these standard inflation measurement tools. And of course, we are going through a very, very serious time in terms of inflation. And everything's being hit. There is I mean, we joked about it a little bit last week, but things are about to increase that haven't yet. And one of the big ones is, of course, the beer industry. So we have an article that talked about Veltins, uh, which, of course, is the the main sponsor and main beer of my beloved Schalke. So why not talk about them? Uh, They've actually increased their price for the first time in three years, which is pretty good of them, because in the last three years, prices have gone up for beer production. Um, But it's only gone up by one euro a crate. So a Kasten is only one euro more, which still is very, very, very affordable. But it does look like further increases are on the cards and it won't just be huge brewers like Velton's. I mean, Velton's make like hectoliters mm-hmm. uh, in their production. It is one of the largest producers uh, in Germany. Probably one of the biggest beers in Britain as well. I mean, Velton's is in most places. It's kind of taken Bex's places, the go-to mm-hmm beer on on tap if you're looking for a german beer on tap but the article from it's an article from france24.com and it says that prices rose in april at the fastest pace in over 40 years up by 7.4 percent year on year Mm -hmm. and the new data published by the federal statistics agency destatus on thursday marked an upward march from march's figure of 7.3 percent and this is obviously a concern, and you can see it across the board that, that when a company like that's raising prices, you can probably see it uh, raising everywhere. It's the point they're making in the article is that it's they talk about the fifth ingredient, which I mm-hmm. guess is a Ryan Heitzkeboat joke, but they're talking yeah. about the war in Ukraine having an impact, as it's had an impact across a lot of different areas with regards to household shopping, and um, yeah, it's it's that knock-on effect the the pandemic. Uh, the increase in prices of of ingredients, all of these things have a have an impact on the on the process, and it's not really a surprise. And we talked, I think, earlier in the year, or was it last year, about a similar topic of of beer prices going up. Mm-hmm. But that was obviously before Russia invaded Ukraine. I wonder now if uh, German politicians are going to start 
uh, standing in front of breweries and with like shaky camera phones and going like, we need some kind of federal <laughs> tax relief for the beer. And trying to sort of cajole them, their voters in an insurrection because of it. I mean, obviously beer is a huge part of the culture here, but I think car ownership is more significant to these FTP uh, mid-lead. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not ideal. Of course, these businesses that are like huge employers in the region, they, they preach the gospel of these local communities. It is really important for things like tourism and yeah to see these companies suffering is is really is sad you want beer to be a successful industry here in germany but i mean nick mentioned the fact that energy prices have been the biggest uh, factor here but also malt has also gone up 70 percent in the last year as well and of course that is a pretty significantly important ingredient and we've heard about how malt uh, a, a large number has actually grown in the uk is now not being distributed to uh, the eu because of uh, the b word brexit put those two together and then logistic costs as well driver shortages all these kinds of things even pallets are an issue apparently so just wood pallets for beer they've got more expensive and they're hard to find mm. and production's fallen off because the nails for pallets primarily manufactured in ukraine wow uh, so yeah it's just everything has got more expensive and more challenging for these uh, for these businesses so yeah i think every consumer apart from the stingiest of them is more than happy to pay a euro more two mm. euros more for a case because it is still cheap and of course it's always fun uh, to go for dinner with americans here you will <laughs> notice that beer is cheaper than coca-cola or water or fanta or anything <laughs> <laughs> well we we laughed about or we were joking about politicians and shaky camera phones in front of breweries and imploring the government to do something about the tax on german beer but actually there is a story from stern that coming out of Baden-Württemberg, that there was a, a successful vote in the municipal council of uh, Schwäbisch Hall, one of my favourite places uh, in Baden-Württemberg. And the satirical party, a famous satirical party in Germany called Die Partei, they often, uh, they're a bit more frisky than we should, should we say, than, than some satirical <laughs> parties. But they... they petitioned or uh, uh, put in an application to the city council of Schwäbisch Hall that was surprisingly accepted, which basically asked for the city council to cap beer prices. <laughs> and now there's a, they've put a beer price break oh. um, to contribute to the preservation of pub culture. Uh, according to the application, local restaurateurs damaged by the pandemic, high energy and raw material prices are to be supported. Everything the innkeepers charge for more than four euros per litre should be reimbursed by the city according to the will of the applicant from funds already approved for inner city revitalization. So they're going to take inner city revitalization funds to essentially subsidize beer. But like everything in Germany, of course, there is a legal challenge <laughs> <laughs> to be found. The, the city administration has announced it would it will examine the proposal, among other things, to determine whether subsidies for alcohol beverages are legally and practically possible at all. I'll be surprised if they don't find out it is totally practical and, and possible for them to do that. So you could get local administrations, perhaps, uh, subsidizing beer. All I know is I'm going to get in the car and go to Schwäbisch Hall because my <laughs> beer is going to be cheaper for a, a short period of time at least. Four euros a litre <laughs> is is a deal, that is. <laughs> no beer over two euros. Yes! Let's all move. I'm going to Baden-Württemberg. Screw you, Bavaria. Let's get some Baden-Württemberg music on. <laughs> <laughs>
couple of weeks ago, I went to visit Simon, and we were both incredibly excited that we were going to go eat some kebabs from the famous Everest kebab shop at the end of Simon's Road. It's, I didn't actually eat lunch that day because I was so excited about it. <laughs> and I, I could almost taste the kebab as we left Simon's house and wandered the short distance between his home and the kebab shop to come across a entirely empty kebab shop no lights on nobody in the shop nobody there and it turned out the kebab shop was closed and it was uh maybe one of the most depressing things that's happened to me in in the last year uh, and there's a lot of depressing things that have happened <laughs> this sort of made me wonder and i couldn't believe it was a friday night mm. and a kebab shop would be would be closed on a friday night but maybe i'm uh maybe i'm lucky maybe my uh, bank balance is lucky <laughs> that that kebab shop was closed because it turns out that the donut kebab like the beer is going to become more expensive. Yeah. Donut kebab could soon cost as much as €7.30, which uh, might sound a very small amount to some, but it's a significant leap. The question, I guess, a lot of people are asking is, is that too expensive? Will it have a noticeable impact on the popularity of kebabs? I'm guessing it won't have a noticeable impact on you, Simon, because your, your kebab shop is permanently closed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very cheap <laughs> to eat kebabs that aren't available. <laughs> your invisible kebabs, they're delicious. Exactly, just imaginary ones. Uh, good for the hips as well. I mean, when we moved here over a decade ago, I guess the average price for a kebab was about €3.50. Euro, three euro yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. There was a place in Furt, I remember seeing uh, on the train that advertised a, a, a mega donor for one ninety nine, And I was always very sceptical how it could be that cheap. <laughs> but, but it tastes amazing and you never know, never wanted to know what yeah. the meat was inside. <laughs> exactly. Don't ask, don't tell. These days, when the last few years, five euros is probably the industry standard for a kebab. And five euros is a nice convenient amount it is the smallest note available. It just kind of works. Uh, my kebab place is uh, five fifty for a normal kebab and six for a durum, uh, so a little over average, I guess. But this touted seven thirty actually comes from the representative of this Verein's Turkish Donnerhersteller in Europa. Uh, so this is an organisation that started in nineteen ninety six to protect the image of the famous Turkish national dish, uh, the doner kebab. So yeah, they say a doner should be 7.30 because, again, we're seeing price increases on almost every single part, every single ingredient of this wonderful dish. Uh, the oil has gone up, the meat has gone up, the bread has gone up. I think lettuce has gone up a little bit. But if you're an absolute British heathen, maybe you ask for it without the salad. So yeah, everything's just got more expensive. And the other thing we've seen, of course, is now the Mindeslawn, the, the minimum wage has come in and that's 12 euros an hour and that of course has had quite a, a dramatic hit on these businesses of course there are chain kebab houses up and down the nation but a lot of them are independently run and 12 euro minimum wage is quite a hefty increase from what they may have been paying before i mean personally if paying 7.30 for a kebab is gonna mean that people who work in kebab shops get paid more then i'm not going to complain about it for sure definitely not i do suspect that the Minimum wage argument is a little bit has a little bit neoliberal kind of feel to it. Like, oh, yeah, everything's more expensive because we have to pay people more to do jobs mm. that they should be paid more for. Um, yeah, I find that argument a little bit weak. I get, I get it. I get that the the kebab should should probably be raised in price. I think they are generally kept at a unnaturally low price level. 
compared to other things on the on the menus and and, and it's not like you go to a kebab shop and there's one thing or two things on the menu there's like a mul- multitude of different options mm-hmm. and a range of different things you can get but uh, prices have already been going up for the last couple of months this is just sort of an official announcement from the from the kebab varine <laughs> to give mm-hmm. them their short name i guess the the current situation is probably around where you'd expect the prices to sort of fall big leap in, in money i think for a lot of people would be quite shocked when it when it if and when it comes in i think someone had said that the average price is probably going to be like 50 cents more expensive mm-hmm. perhaps this is more a um a shout from from berlin i don't know if berlin kebabs are more expensive than bavarian kebab this information is coming from the berliner zeitung so it could be that there is a price difference between Nuremberg and Berlin on these things. When we see a Dreyen Wegler going up to seven thirty, then we know we're completely fucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of those at seven thirty is probably too be, expensive. Well, that would yeah. be very, very expensive indeed. This is, of course, an icon of fast food here in Germany, and we don't want to see these businesses struggling because their overheads have increased to the point. You said you'd pay seven thirty for a kebab. I would too, but it has to be a good kebab for that price. If I get a dodgy, poor attempt at a kebab for seven euro plus, I'm going to be disappointed uh, because that is a significant amount of money. So yeah, that balance that these businesses have to strike now is, is certainly going to be challenging for them. We're, we're jo- laughing and joking about about politicians complaining about the price of fuel and then perhaps complaining about the price of beer, but there is practical things the government could be doing. I mean, you think about rent rental properties and the price of rents are going up the price of energy is going up i do think that there is some legitimate argument for protecting small business owners something that politicians will often troop out when they're looking for re-election is how they're supportive of of the uh, average entrepreneur and there's nothing more entrepreneurial than the average kebab shop i would say but and also i think it'll affect different regions in different ways i think for the south where people are a little bit more affluent they may not notice the price increase but in areas of the country the north certain parts of the east i read in um tag Vansig about <laughs> the headline was quite alarming it says uh donna shock in chemnitz but it's pointing out the prices of <laughs> like, donna shock is probably a bit extreme but yeah it's saying that the there's definitely alarm in chemnitz about the price of of, of kebab and yeah like i said with every different region there's a different story to tell we could see in the regions where that aren't so affluent that kebab shops are closing which is quite shocking it's kind of like Mm-hmm. Um, I knew, I knew, for instance, in like sort of 2010 when I went back to, or 2011 when I went back to the UK, and I went to, I think it was Gateshead, which is the city just across the river from Newcastle, and they were closing the McDonald's in the high street. Yeah, and you're like, you know, there's a real financial problem when McDonald's can't afford to run a business in a particular mm-hmm. area. If McDonald's is closing in your high street, you, you it says a lot about the issues of wages and and earnings in that area, employment in that area. And I think it's kind of the same for kebab. Is yeah, if you they they can't stay open, that's an issue. That's a serious issue. Yeah, it really is. So yeah, fingers crossed that these businesses manage to find a way to to thread that needle. Because uh, it is going to be, it's going to be fine margins uh, to success. Well, I think it's 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 my uh, it's it's my clarion call. Go out and buy kebab. Yeah, not just for lunch. Do it for dinner as well. Buy one kebab from your favorite kebab shop a week. 
That's what I'd say if you can afford it. Keep them going. Show your appreciation. It's going to be difficult with my current diet, but there's no sugar in kebabs. And if I go for a run, I should be okay. We'll see. But yeah, I'm certainly going to be buying more kebabs just to make sure that my local one doesn't doesn't end up closing on me. I just need my place to be open and then I can buy some fucking kebabs. (laughs) Yeah, next time we'll buy double kebabs to make up for the one we didn't buy last time. Sounds like a plan. So yeah, in our episode, episode 71, Boris Becker and the Chamber of, what do we call it? The Chamber of Lawsuits. Financial, financial Chamber of Lawsuits, that was it. I was in the Chamber of Financial Difficulty, I can't remember. So we did play it light with him, and uh, yeah, the, the, the sad news is that Boris is now, he's going to jail. It is, it's taken the turn that I don't think many people necessarily no. expected. So he's been in jail for two years and six months uh, for hiding millions of pounds worth of assets uh, after his bankruptcy in 2017. And... It's been an interesting verdict in many ways. The judge uh, said, quote, I take into account what has been described as your fall from grace. You have lost your career and reputation and all of your property as a result of your bankruptcy. You have not shown remorse, acceptance of your guilt, and have sought to distance yourself from your offending and your bankruptcy. While I accept your humiliation as part of the proceedings, there has been no humility. And this has been... The hard part, I guess, for for someone like me who is a fan uh, of Boris Becker, to hear the judge basically chastise him for avoiding any responsibility or showing humility or acceptance of of these issues. He's going to do at least half of that two and a half years in jail, and then he will face uh, a possibility of getting out at that point. Uh, He was acquitted for 20 further counts uh, and had faced a maximum of seven years. So the penalty could have been a little bit harder. But of course, this isn't the first time he's had a guilty verdict sent down on him. Two years suspended sentence in 2002 in Germany. So yeah, he was warned, let's say, at that point that this was a very, very serious matter. It's it's, it's, it's very sad what's happened to him. And I hope, I sincerely hope that his time in jail uh, is not an absolute nightmare for him. But yeah. Unfortunately, the reality has bitten him very, very hard. And even though he was wearing a Wimbledon tie, uh, which some people have criticised him for, uh, because, of course, some Wimbledon trophies are included in the missing millions, Boris is going to do some time in the UK. So, Yeah, it's not it's not great news. I mean, the lawyer who was quoted in the article we discussed two weeks ago did say that he'd been surprisingly uncooperative and that would probably lead to some kind of punishment. Uh, so it's not... an entire entirely a, a surprise i think to those who know the story well that he he ended up with jail time and i can't help but feel like well if you are if 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 as the court says he was trying to hide his assets and not trying to pay his debts then i don't have a massive amount of sympathy for him it's a shame of course it's sad to hear his fall from grace as it were I mean, we're not talking about small bank accounts on the no, side. No, we're not. We're talking about millions a, and millions of pounds yeah, here. Yeah. A £1 million property in, in his hometown, Lyman. Uh, a loan of 825000 75,000 shares in a tech business. Yeah, it was active concealment. My, my sympathy for Boris continues. I do feel bad for him. But at the same time, he, he has got 
the verdict is correct. It seems that he has committed multiple crimes under the Insolvency Service Act. So I have a feeling that the uh, redemption arc for Boris Becker is going to be pretty dramatic. I, I can definitely see a Channel 4 documentary about prisons yeah. hosted by or interviewing Boris Becker at some point. I can imagine there'll be some kind of documentary. British people are fascinated by celebrity falls from mm. Grace, so I have a feeling that that might illuminate things a little bit more for the general public, because at the moment the details are lost in the milieu of all the financial wrangling so i think the the human story hasn't as yet to be gone into but i'm sure it'll be discussed at length if you're a supporter i I feel your pain to a certain extent but ultimately i'm not overly sympathetic shall i say what i don't want to happen i don't want to see him on dancing with the fucking stars cha-cha his way back into the public heart that would be no please boris don't do that well i could see it if he's got a massive tax bill to pay uh anything that will bring in some money um hopefully it doesn't end in him doing channel five news or some shit but um i think he'll be receptive to most ideas <laughs> yeah, that come his way. he's gonna take say yes to any offer as long as he reports that to the uh the the tax office he'll be fine yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him re- relocate to a more sympathetic <laughs> country for when it comes to taxation it's all it's all right that's what most british politicians do so yeah. <laughs> suddenly boris is non-dom in every country yeah. he'll be uh, um he'll be in good company i mean if you want the best tax advice go to a white collar prison with loads of people who've uh, cheated the tax system i'm sure you'll get some interesting advice there at least <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Zuzaman. Grüß Gott. Oh, that's weird, Simon. You're not usually here. What, what are you doing? You're bursting in on my... Just roll with it. Come on. Okay, well, you know how this bit goes, because you've definitely done it before. Yeah. Uh, it's the bit where we say thank you to the listener. Thank you, listener, yeah. for downloading and listening to Decades From Home, but you've reached the end of the show. Thanks for listening, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also give us some star ratings on Spotify, uh, chuck us some stars in that direction, or you can follow us on Apple Podcast or on Google Podcast app. Simon, help me here. What the hell, What's the Google Podcast app called? Is it just called Google Podcast? Google Cast. Yeah. I feel I feel like this is a real <laughs> blind spot for both of us, right? Uh, retweet us or share a link or post with the hashtag Decades From Home, all lowercase, on Twitter or Instagram. You can also go and find Close Mitsos, mm-hmm. our uh, benevolent DJ. Uh, Bavarian, Bavarian techno DJ, who has happily and nicely provided us with a new theme song. You can find him on Instagram and on YouTube. Just search for close doppel s mit so doppel s and you will find his shenanigans shall we say (laughs) shenanigans is a good word find his shenanigans on online if you feel so inclined you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com that's ko-fi.com forward slash decades from home where you can allow nick to get his dream pair of lederhosen Uh, every little helps (laughs) and if we do get there the Twitter will just become a series of photos of Nick's lovely thighs all wrapped in leather. <laughs> yeah, it's all that any listener mm. has ever wanted. 
and my leather-wrapped thighs. <laughs> On a more serious front, we're continuing the po- to post links to support Ukraine and the millions of refugees fleeing the war in Ukraine. Uh, if you would prefer to give uh, money to a much more worthy cause than the podcast, please do it through one of these links. If you have some time, uh, take a look, and if possible, donate to support them as ever if you do have any questions any feedback or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover you can tweet me simon on at decades from home on twitter and you can get nick at 40 percent german you can also reach us on 40 percent german at gmail.com and if you have time please do take a look at 40 percent german.com where weekly articles are up every single saturday all that's left to say is herzlichen dank und bis zum nächsten mal tschüss Adi. One, two with the raging crew.